Welcome to the Business Made Simple podcast, where we coach you to run your business like an airplane. The cockpit is your leadership. The body is your overhead. The right and left engines power your marketing and sales. The wings are your products. And the fuel tanks are your cash flow. If you run your business like an airplane, it will fly far and fast. Each week, we help business owners just like you discover what's wrong with their business, then keep them from crashing by showing them how to fix it. I'm your host, Donald Miller. If you want everybody to know that you are the obvious leader, I know you're the leader, but if you want everybody to know that you are the obvious leader in only seconds, I think you're going to get a lot out of today's conversation with Tom Henschel. Tom started out as an actor, leveraged his experience and his success in acting, and started doing what we all needed, started coaching executives on how to command the room. It's going to be hard, folks, especially for me, because I am going to be your human guinea pig. Tom is going to tell me what I'm doing right, what I'm doing wrong, and I think you're going to learn a lot from it. And after this conversation, you are going to know a lot more about executive presence, and you're going to have some tips, some easy-to-execute tips on how you can actually come off as the leader you really are. Tom Henschel, I'm going to give you a challenge. You know, every once in a while we have a guest on the podcast, and it's basically, for me, free consulting. I would normally have to pay you thousands of dollars, but I have a feeling that so many people listening also need this free consulting, and it is, how do you look and sound like an executive if you already are one? Right. Because a lot of us, a lot of us, like we just had some good ideas and they worked really well and people loved our product. And then we found ourselves in a position of leadership and we're like, holy rats, these people are looking at me and they're listening to what I say. And I should probably not sound like an idiot. And that is actually what you do. You specialize in executive presence. So the challenge is on. I don't know if you're going to be able to be helpful or not when you have the, this much of a lost cause, Tom. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Pretty hard, Don. Big bar to cross here. Well, first of all, real, real quick, though, will you explain to everybody what you do? What is executive presence and how do you help people have executive presence? Oh, sure. So I'm an executive coach I, I, and I coach mostly in big corporations at like the vice president level and above. And, and often what people get told is, you know, we would really love to promote you to the next level, but you know, you just don't feel like a senior vice president yet. They say that to people, like people actually ha have yeah. that said to them. Yeah. Oh, that's the feedback. Yeah. Well, you need to get more executive presence. And they don't know what that is. What is that? It, right. And then by the way, that's like, taste at a museum everybody's got some you know it's like whatever but it's like i don't know what that company means but yeah then i help i come in and i help people around a lot of times around this idea of polish the look and sound of leadership executive presence all that yeah that's what i do and it's a blast are, it's are great. some people because i know people are listening and they're probably saying oh some people have it and some people don't now you obviously don't believe that well, I think some people have it easier than others, right? I mean, look, I'm an extrovert. It's always been easy for me to kind of put on a mask and feel good about it. Right. But there's a lot of people who are not extroverted where they think it's, they're being put upon. They don't like it. They don't want to do it. They don't want to play the game to which I go, you don't have to play the game, but there may be a cost to that, that you don't intend. Okay. So if, if I am a senior vice president and I want to move up. What are, what are some of the things, what the checklist that you're looking at and wanting to install in me? What are some of those things? 
Ooh, I love that question. <laughs> Number one is, are you well-networked? Oh, so a lot of it is, a lot of it is, it isn't an act. It's real. Like, are, are, do you have a strong network of people and resources you can get to and access? And people who are going to be your champions. People who are going to say, yeah, Don's ready. Yeah, I can vouch for Don. He deserves it. Yeah, a network is critical. What, but let's say you're really well networked. and you know, here, Tom, this is just me being a little, a little insecure. I think if you actually surveyed 100 friends, I would say I'm pretty well networked. I know a lot of people. They would probably say Don is very creative. He's extremely driven. He's a visionary. He's strategic. He shoots from the cuff. He, he's a little bit of a wild card. He can sometimes be rogue. Uh, and I don't know if he'd be right for this or not. Does that make sense? So would, what so would you can do? I with, just, please. Can I, can I just call out what you just did? Please. Too, too much, what, too much uh, self-deprecation? No, it was incredibly well-balanced. Oh, there you go. I did, Bobby, I did it well. But not only that, but here's, here's what I want to challenge all your listeners. Could they build a list like that that's pretty accurate, that people would listen to that and go, yeah, that's a pretty good description of Don. Both what he's really good at, his strengths, and kind of, yeah, where we get annoyed with Don sometimes. Ah, so it's a starting place. It's a, it, like building that list lets us know what we've got to work on, maybe? Well, I, yes, but I just want to say for you, Don, it's not a starting place because I'm guessing you've been building that list over years. You've been listening to people. You've been getting the feedback. You've been paying attention. And you have some sense of really the impact you make on people so you can report it pretty accurately. <laughs> and I want to say, again, if you want to get promoted or if you want to be successful or all this idea of being authentic, yeah, I think you do have to know. I think what you did was quite remarkable. And I don't know how many people could do it like that. Well, I hope a lot, I hope a lot of people, because I think it's really, really valuable. I always, I really think that knowing your liabilities is more valuable than knowing your strengths because you can job out your liabilities and you can mitigate damage on liabilities and strengths. You're going to play to your strengths no matter what anyway. What you really need to know is what you're bad at. <laughs> you know what I mean? That to me is the, okay, but we're talking about, like, we're going to go back because this is a, I have a feeling there's going to be an extremely valuable list. Your network of people. Right. We, we want, and, and we want to be just aware that there's a network of people who know you and know your strengths and understand you. And that takes time, right? You can't cheat that. That just takes a lot of lunches, a lot of coffees, a lot of emails. And, and especially in this era where we're separated, it takes a lot of intention. I have to get on your calendar. I'm not just going to run into you on the way to the men's room. Right. Right. Like I literally actually need to call you up and go, Hey, can we have a coffee on zoom? You know, it's like, <laughs> it's a different game, but you have to do it because network is number one. And then it's funny. It, this, that thing that you just did, that self-awareness thing where you did your kind of self-bio, that little yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. profile that you did, that's the second thing that I think people need if they're really going to get promoted is they got to know kind of what their audience thinks of them and they got to know what they're working on and they got to have some self level of self-awareness. You talk about having your executive poker face and knowing what that is. And I am just at 50 years old. I'm just now coming into the wisdom of actually applying that. Because I think I banked for a long time on authenticity, authenticity, authenticity. No matter how you make people feel, always tell the truth. And now I'm seeing as I'm older, there's, that's, there's not always wisdom in doing that. And it, you know, that, that's a new revelation for me. So can I ask you a question about what you just said? Please. What does that mean to you, this wisdom that you're gaining? What does that look like to you? Explain it to me. Here's what happened to me recently. 
I was having an interaction with a potential customer. The potential customer said something to me that um, it affected and maybe even offended my ego. I thought it was actually very disrespectful what they said. And I just stood there and said, you know, that's interesting. Let, let me think about that and uh, get back to you because I, I think there might be something in there to actually research. I certainly appreciate your opinion. That was extremely different than me even one year before. Oh, why? What would it, wait, what would it have sounded like a year ago? I would have said, don't, hey, listen, I don't, I don't need your business. I don't want to do business with you. If you're going to treat me like that, you're going to make me feel this way. You're going to be disrespectful. You can, you can go fly a kite. That, I'm not kidding. That, it would have been that. Hold on. Wait, but here's the lesson that I think all of us want to know is what happened this year? Like, how, how did you get from there to here? Two things. One is I realized, and I think everybody listening to me might need to hear this because it might be time. I realized that Donald Miller represents more than Donald Miller, and not everybody would want me to respond that way. That other people could be damaged in their income and their reputation by the words and that words that I say, and I need to let this one go. Wow! For them, that's that's thing number one. Thing number two is well, there's actually three. Thing number two is I realized this could cost you personally, and you need to you need to mend relationships and not burn bridges. And thing number three, Tom, was what if they're right? What if they're right? And you need to hear this criticism and you don't like it, but you just need to kind of let it sink in. What if, what if there's, what if they're just right? Now, here's what's fascinating, Tom. I went from that interaction to lunch with somebody on the governor's staff, uh, high up on, on his cabinet. And we were just talking about, you know, working for the governor and what he'd learned. And I told him this story. He said, Don, this is, that's the same lesson I've learned working in the governor's office and he, he had the most fascinating quote. He said this. He said, most of us overreact as quickly as possible. <laughs> <laughs> That's excellent. <laughs> and I just thought, I'm having a moment right now. This is a, you are watching a moment of transformation in my life because. It is so great. I, yeah. It's, what is the damage? Talk us all into it, Tom. Help everybody have the transformation that I had. And hopefully am having, because obviously it's not been long enough to really test this. Why do we need to check our egos at the door sometimes and put on a face when, by definition, that isn't actually all that authentic? Ooh, authentic. Okay. <laughs> so in the coaching that I do all the time, Don, I'm suggesting to people that they behave differently. And the argument that often comes back to me is, but it's not authentic. Right, right, right. And I, so I love that argument. I mean, I'm all over that argument. You've heard it. Oh, for sure. Because, yeah, it's a concern. Because, look, when people try to do something new, it feels awkward. So then they think it's not authentic. Well, it's not what I would do naturally. So it must be fake. To which I go, no, no, it's not fake, like phony. It's intentional. Is it, but is it strategic in the manipulative sense? So when you look at this guy where you actually think that was incredibly disrespectful, what the hell, I don't need your business. But what you actually <laughs> say is, hmm, that's really interesting. I'll think about that. Thanks so much. Are you manipulating? Uh, no, I don't, I don't guess I'm, no, I don't think I'm being manipulative in that moment. In fact, I, I, I would almost say I'm being respectful, giving them the benefit of the doubt. But I am to some degree mixed motives surviving the moment and coming out without damage that I might have caused otherwise. Being strategic. Being strategic. 
So look, the very first thing that you talked about when you talked about your own personal kind of transformation, you talked about that idea of being aware that other people might not value it, that it might not be good for the biggest possible group. So can I just tell you my frame of reference for this? Because please, I call, (laughs) I call this acting on the corporate stage, but you have to understand that I came to that because the first 25 years of my professional life was as a professional actor on television and in I knew theater. that about you. I thought that was pretty cool. You leveraged that training and those skills for interpersonal communications. Absolutely, I did. Absolutely. And I came with the belief that performance is actually not inauthentic. It's quite authentic. So here's what happened when I got in the workplace for the first time. You know, I'd never been in an office. I was, a, I was an actor. Why did I know? But when I started consulting and watching people in the workplace, Don, I was appalled. People were behaving incredibly badly. For example, what? You got to tell us, like, give us the story. Like behavior in a meeting, like literally yelling at somebody, throwing an eraser across the room to try and hit somebody in the head. I didn't hit him in the head. Hit him in the shoulder. claim close. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there's all kinds of bad behavior, just literally like snapping at people or whatever. Or the opposite, leaning back in your chair, folding your arms and half falling asleep. I mean, just as disrespectful. Right. It doesn't have to be. Yes. All. So here's the thing. My frame of reference was I was taught where the audience was, whether it's the lens or the, like I'm always got the audience in mind. Wow. I'm aware that people are watching and that's my job. I get paid for that. So, you know, here you are, you're going to work and you're treating it like nobody's paying attention to you. Like what the hell? These people are your coworkers. They are your audience. You mm. are on stage. You're a public figure. Especially on Zoom. Think about Zoom. Oh my God, it's even more totally, so true than ever. Totally. And now we're also close up. So this whole idea about, is it a performance? Does that make it fake? My feeling is no, it makes it intentional because the audience is there and you need to be respectful to, for, to your audience. As you were in that moment where you didn't just tell that guy to go pound sand, you said, eh, thanks, I'll think about it. Okay, so first was build your network, know what your network is. How would you, I mean, you know, the second sounds like self-awareness, know what you're good at, know what you're not good at, be, you know, know your liabilities. Is that true, second? That, that's exactly the word I would have put to it, absolutely. What's the third? Well, I would say self-management. Self-management. Oh, goodness. You're, now you're getting into a topic where I need some help. Self-management is what? Acting with intention. It is you standing there and saying, Thanks. I'll think about that. That's self-management. As you say, a year ago, you would have said, I don't need your business. That's insulting. You would have walked away. So that, that's a whole self-management process where we can kind of see it before it happens and go, no, I'm not going to actually choose that path. That's what I used to do. But now I'm going to do this other thing. And it doesn't mean I'm phony. It means I'm intentional. It means I'm creating the impact I want. Tom, you'll love this. When I walked away from that moment without overreacting as quickly as possible, as my friend Joseph said, (laughs) when I walked away from that moment, I I was filled with high self-esteem because I knew I had done something that I hadn't been able to do in years and years. And because, you know, you can, you can do this stuff when you're not elevated, when you're not triggered, but to do it when you're triggered, I was really, I was very proud of Don. And I wish I'd have had that ability, not only in my career, I wish I would have cultivated that ability earlier, not only in my career, honestly, Tom, in the relationships that I've been in, just put on a poker face and just be as kind as possible right now. And let's think about it when you get home. <laughs> you know what I mean? 
Well, that's you having wisdom looking back to your younger self, right? But here's, I just want to frame it a little differently, which is all those other times that it didn't happen led to today. That's a, that's an optimistic view. That's a helpful view, Tom. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Let's get into practical, tactical uh, ideas. You know, let's say you're in charge of a meeting. What are some things, you know, you've got a, 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 somebody who's coming to you, an executive, I've got a very big meeting. They've asked me to create a pitch. They gave me six months to do it. Essentially, I think we should buy this division. It's going to cost over $100 million. I need to convince this room that, uh, that we need to do it. Apart from content and understanding potential questions, talk to me about executive presence in that moment. Wow. What a fantastic opportunity. I, I hope it goes well, by the way. I'm wishing you good luck. <laughs> so number one is I want to say take up space. In the old conference rooms that we all used to live in, one of the things that used to make me just livid was that if I have PowerPoint, it's in the center of the room and it pushes me to the side and usually pushes me into shadow, right? Right. Because the brightest thing in the room is that screen. And so where are they looking? They're not looking at me. They can't even see me. We used to have a saying in theaters, like, if the audience can't see you, they can't hear you. And it is so true. You can talk in the dark and they cannot understand your words put a light on your face and they can, it's just astonishing. It's amazing. So even, so you're even thinking about the lighting in the room before you go in, where am I standing? Where's the light? We're going to put the keynote presentation. Yes, absolutely. I am. Now we're all on zoom where we get to see slides close up. But again, I would ask maybe if there's a zoom producer or somebody like, can you spotlight me? Can you pin me so that they see me big? How are you holding yourself? You talk about, you know, being bigger. A lot of people could try to do that and really just make fools of themselves. Yes. You know, wh- what are, yeah, what are some things that they need to do apart from standing in the light, making sure that they're not upstaged by their own keynote, make sure they're not standing in the shadows. What are some things that they can do to have the kind of confidence that everybody else in the room can sort of borrow? Two things. Yeah. Tell a story, make connections. There you Tell go. a story. Look, I think it is really hard to take a business problem and turn it into a story. I've worked with people on it for years and years, and I love it. It's a great challenge to me. I adore it. But for most people, they cannot tell a good story out of all this information because they're living in the middle of it. You have to find the story. You have to tell it over and over until suddenly somebody goes, oh my God, that's amazing, right? And then you know you found your story. You know, two things, as a speaker, two things. One is I want to know what problem this presentation solves. I need to know that and it needs to be baked into my mind. We are here to solve this problem. And the second thing that I always want to have down, Tom, tell me if this is good advice. It it was actually given to me by a a speech coach, but, but I've used it ever since. And that is, I need to know my opening line so that I don't hem and haw and say anything else. Oh, I love that. Except I say the first three sentences. There you go. You've helped me by two. <laughs> yeah, I have. But it's, listen, I'm laughing at myself now thinking I'm talking about finding a story. And of course you do story brand. Well, yeah, no, but, but everybody, I mean, I, I, I'm a sponge. If anybody wants to talk about story, I learned so much from folks who are in, in your shoes. So when we talk about it though, this is, I'm saying this has kind of got to be your sweet spot, right? That first thing about that, tell a story of the business. And the second thing is, I think it's really important that you know who you're talking to. Sometimes I work with people where they're going in front of like a board of directors or very senior leaders that they maybe see three times a year and they don't know them very well. 
Even so, those are quote unquote public figures in a public company. You can find out a lot about them. You can find out how they like their information. You can find out a lot. Like know who you're talking to so you can make connections. I don't care what kind of room you're in or on Zoom, even on Zoom where everybody's in these little tiles and you can barely see them, their faces. You can look at people and really try and make a connection with that person. They can't see you exactly, but they can. And it gets you out of yourself thinking about me. Oh my God, what do they think about me? Oh my God, how am I doing? Oh my God, I didn't say the right word. Oh my God, it's just not working the way I want. As soon as you start focusing on the other person, there's just no room for that stuff. Yeah. All right. Here's a question, Tom. If you're bombing, if, if things are unraveling, what do you do to mitigate damage? For instance, if you're being business equivalent of heckled, if there's a contrarian in the room and they're coming after your ideas and they you know, we, we pass on this opportunity for this reason. I don't even think, I don't even know why we're talking about it again. Don, go ahead. <laughs> you know, that sort of thing where somebody just throws you that. To me, there's almost, you know, a lot of this is just about really knowing your stuff and really believing in what you're talking about and understanding it, understanding the subject matter so well that you can actually say, you know, you're right, James, we did try it before, but what we didn't do was this, and that was the mistake, and that's why it didn't work. And we're not going to make that mistake again. I'm going to keep going. I think you have to have, you actually have to have strong convictions about where you're taking this group. The truth is when you do what you just modeled, which is yes and, mm. is that you're not getting sucked into their argument. Ooh, okay. So that was the technique. That's what I was looking for. That's really brilliant. Tell us about yes and, and how it applies to give you executive presence. Cause it, cause we just, we could easily glean over that, but I think our listeners get great value from that. Oh, so yes and is a wonderful thing. I, I think of yes and as a tool, especially for teams. In a staff meeting, let's say, you can listen to who leads with but. And I want to say most people because they think of their idea as a little bit separate from yours and it's over here. So it's like, yes, 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 what you just said, but let me distinguish my idea, right? They're not really disagreeing with you, but they're separating. But when you have to say yes and, meaning I'm going to build a link with you. I'm not going to discard yours and separate it. I'm building on top of it. I'm adding to it. We're collaborators immediately. Executive presence. Final question, Tom. Sum it up. What is it? I think it's the ability to present yourself in a way that makes people want to follow you. That is a perfect summary. And it's a nuanced answer. And I think we had an expert on today that really helped us figure a lot of that out. Even just us thinking executive presence, do I have it? How do I get it? How do I mitigate my damage? Is going to make uh, is going to make your life a lot better. Tom Henschel is our guest today. He has a podcast called The Look and Sound of Leadership. He has a bunch of great free resources at essentialcom, essential communications short, essentialcomm.com. And if you've got one great tool there that I thought was really interesting, it, it's a feeling word grid. What's a feeling word grid? You know, there are a lot of people who do not speak about their feelings very well. And this is literally, it's like, I don't know, 70 some words that are sorted into columns and rows and you learn to be more emotionally fluent. It's helpful. Listen, if you're, if you're listening and you're somebody, you know, you need to work on executive presence, you know, it's holding you back. Tom and I do not do business together, but essentialcom.com, essentialcomm.com. You can find out more about Tom there. Tom, I have 
I've really enjoyed this conversation. I'm glad you came on. Me too. Thanks a million. Really great conversation with Tom today. As you can tell, I really like the guy. I like what he does, and I think he's super, super helpful. You know, at the end of every episode, I give you a plan of action from today's coaching conversation. These are immediate takeaways that you can execute in order to grow your business. Today's plan of action, of course, deals with executive presence. And, you know, we didn't get quite to this in the conversation with Tom, but I want to add something to it. I I think it's really important as a plan of action to make sure that your executive presence actually matches your leadership. You know, it's 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 easy to take a conversation like this and say, well, okay, how can I manipulate people into thinking I'm the leader? My question to you, if you think that way, is are you the leader? I mean, are, are you really the leader? Are you are, Do you have power in the room? And if you do, you want to match that. I think the, the number one problem that everybody listening probably has is not that they are, have an inflated ego. It's not that they're a narcissist. It's not that they're a dictator. It's that they fear coming off that way. In other words, it's the opposite. It's that you aren't actually living into the authority that you have. You, you don't have the executive presence that matches your level of authority. And I think that is really damaging to your career. And not only do I think it's damaging to your career, I don't think it's very helpful to the people around you. If you are the one in charge, they are leaning on you to make decisions, get things done, and be the leader. And a lot of times we are, we are conflicted about, wait, do we want to be the leader or do we want to be one of the group? Do we want to be the coach or do we want to fit in with the team? I think everybody needs a coach, and it, it's probably time for some people listening to understand they see you as the coach. They just don't see you as a very good coach because you keep trying to be a member of the team. I'm not saying that you're not a member of the team, that people don't like you. I'm saying you're different. You're going to be perceived different. You're you're already paid differently. You need to step into that identity of I'm the leader and start asking yourself, okay, how does a leader behave. I've seen it so many times as people move up in their career, they hit this stopping point where they can't go any further because they're afraid to leave the security of the tribe and of belonging. And so that's where they stay. Some of you needed to hear me say that right now. You needed to hear me say, you've got to keep moving up and own your responsibility as the leader, which means behaving differently. You heard me say it. I mean, it's been an evolution for me to say, wait a second, I don't just represent myself anymore. I represent a staff of almost 30. I represent a certified community of 900. I represent a family. I represent a little girl named Emmeline Miller. I don't think I need to lecture you about narcissism and being a dictator and having a runaway ego. There are very few people like that, and they don't tend to be drawn to this podcast. Thanks again to Tom Henschel. It was it was great coaching today. If you want to hear more from Tom, go check out his podcast, The Look and Sound of Leadership. All right, we are all in the same boat here. We are all trying to grow our business. I remember when I first started growing my business, I didn't have a playbook. And I honestly didn't know how big the thing was going to get. You know, I hired somebody and then I hired somebody else for more help, hired somebody else for more help. Then we created a product and we put a book out there, all that kind of stuff. It just grew, grew, grew. And finally, I just said, man, I don't have a playbook. We are literally making this up as we go along. Well, that is no longer the case. At Business Made Simple, we've created the very thing I needed when I started my business, and it's at mybusinessreport.com. It is a free assessment, 56 questions, that will then send you a 60-page report telling you whether or not you are weak 
or strong. This is all the stuff, you know, back when I was a solopreneur, I didn't realize where I was going. I didn't realize what the company was going to look like. If you take this assessment and get this report, you're going to get a playbook for growing a company. Some of it you're saying, I don't need right now, but a year from now you might. And because you took the assessment and read the report, you will know what to build and how to build it the right way. Just go to mybusinessreport.com. It's free. People have already told me I would have paid a thousand dollars for this report. You don't have to. Go to mybusinessreport.com, take the assessment and get your report today. It will be your playbook for growing a business. Well, that's all for this episode. Thanks as always for listening to the Business Made Simple podcast, where we help you discover what's wrong with your business, then show you how to fix it. See you next week. 